Hello, and welcome to the Two Gals in a Mic podcast. I'm your host, Sue Curver, and today we are talking about all things adventure, including flying, fly fishing, and following your dreams. I'm joined by my friend, Sydney Abbott, who's originally from Western Kentucky, but made her way to Big Sky, Montana to be a fly fishing instructor and a fly fishing guide. Sydney, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited that you're here. You and I actually met back in 2020 when we both went through women's fly fishing guide school together. Tell us a little bit about your love of fly fishing. How'd you get into that? And what has the journey been as a female fly fishing guide? So I got into fly fishing through my mom, actually. We started out in the Smoky Mountains. She took a fly fishing class through um, Orvis. It was the Fly Fishing 101. Ended up really, really liking it and tried to get me to do it for the first year. But I had grown up conventional fishing originally from Kentucky, and there's not a whole lot of fly fishing over there. So for the first year, I really wasn't much interested in it because I thought it was going to be super difficult and didn't want to put in the effort. Finally, she convinced me though, and I was hooked, as they say. I've loved it ever since. It's really changed my whole life. It brought me into conservation. A lot of fly fishing and conservation go hand in hand, even influenced um, the degree that I got at Murray State. So how long did it take for your mom to eventually convince you? A little over a year. She got really into it quick. She kind of dove headfirst and and really, really loved it. We like to do all things outdoors, like horseback riding, hiking, conventional fishing up to this point, really just about anything. I know that you had just mentioned that you had some reservations, a little bit of hesitation about starting to fly fish. You said it looked like it would be extraordinarily difficult. What was it that changed your mind? We had cabins in the Smokies and we would go there quite a lot. Eventually mom convinced me to finally go out with her and it was catching my first brook trout that was was the big hook that finally got me. After that, just seeing the beauty of that and being able to stand in the water, look at the mountains, there was nothing else like it that made it all for me. Walk us through that experience of catching that first brookie. Stepping in the water, you know, you have it rushing around your feet you're kind of crouching down because especially in the Smokies for these brookies, I mean, it's more of a hunt than anything because they're super spooked and they're native there. So we're, we're kind of crouched down, you know, looking behind the rocks into these pools and, and it's just getting the perfect cast up in there. And so that was all part of it too. I was lucky enough to get several hits Because, you know, one of the hardest parts, at least for me learning, was the hook set. So being able to visualize and see the the fly go under or get sucked under by one of those brook trout. And then the excitement as well. Even to this day, like I tend to set the hook too early because I get way too excited. So when I finally got that down, was able to hook into that fish that made it all for me. And how big was it? It was only a couple inches, not very big at all. But so exciting, right? Yes, yes. Very exciting. You mentioned that you were in school and that the conservation aspect helped drive the decision for the degree that you got at Murray State. What degree did you get? I ended up with an earth and environmental science degree. What was your intention behind that? Was there a specific job that you were going for or something that you wanted to do? The goal from there was to be a park ranger. And that still is the goal. 
I'm kind of working my way there at the moment, not quite there yet, but that's still very, very much the end goal is to be working in a national park. And I'd like to do more of the research side than anything. So when we first met in fly fishing guide school, you were still actually in school finishing your degree, right? I think it would have been the summer before I started actually. And how long had you been fly fishing when you made the decision to go to guide school? At that point, that would have been about nine years. Oh, wow. And why did you decide to go to guide school? And just for our listeners to set the stage a little bit. So this was a women's specific fly fishing guide school. So we had a group of maybe 10 women and everybody had their own story of why they chose to come to guide school. So what's yours? The main reason was I love Montana. I've always wanted to live out here and I wanted to share my love for fly fishing, but I knew how to fly fish, but I didn't know how to teach fly fishing. Also out here, a big part of it is rowing on the larger rivers. So I wanted to be able to be proficient enough at rowing a boat as well. And they provided that experience at the guided school for us. Did you have any fear coming into it? And I asked that question, if I'm going to be totally honest, because you mentioned rowing, that was a little disconcerting for me because some of these rivers here in Montana can be pretty bold, right? With lots of rocks and lots of different obstacles. So did you have any fear as you came to school? I think I was a little naive on that aspect. I'm always adventurous and up for trying anything. So no, I didn't know what to expect coming from it. I think a big difference though, because it was COVID year and we ended up having to change our location at the last minute. We were told that we were going to be on like a soft, slow moving river. And then we ended up being just dropped in head first. And so that was a great experience though. I mean, there's nothing better than doing that, but definitely I I had no fears coming in, but the first day I was definitely a little nervous. Like when you were rowing? Yeah. Yeah. Rowing on the Yellowstone when we were not quite expecting all of that. Yeah, for sure. All right. So after guide school, obviously you went back to Kentucky, uh, you finished your degree, but in between you came to Montana for this summer and you got a job up here teaching just temporarily, like a summer job, right? I did. I'm not much for learning in a classroom and I knew I still wanted to guide some really, really wanted to be out in Montana, had decided that or originally had thought that I would maybe transfer to a school out here, but scholarships and everything being back home, it was just easier just to finish at home. So instead, I decided to just take a semester off and come out and work down on a ranch as a fly fishing instructor for about six months. Loved the experience, got to meet a whole lot of new people, Got to teach all kinds of different levels and skill levels. Kids, adults, people who had fly fished before, people who have never fished at all. It was a really great experience overall. You took that, you finished your degree. What brought you back to Montana? I missed it a whole lot. In between, I went back home and was living in a larger city. Didn't really like it. Knew it wasn't my vibe at all was ready to be back in Montana. Um, So I decided to come back to the same place and that's where I'm currently working. Except now you're working full-time, right? Instead of doing the summer thing? Yes, I'm currently full-time. Started back in August and plan on staying through, through the year. What was the hardest thing that you found when you started to teach 
these fishing skills? Because here you have people who probably felt the same way that you did nine years prior to you going to guide school when you were looking at your mom going, oh my gosh, there's no way I can do that. The hardest thing is being able to take what I know and explaining it in a way that makes it easier for others to understand for sure. You know, like I said, we had all kinds of different skill levels. So another difficulty was determining, okay, do I need to start from the very beginning in the basics of everything? Or do I need to start at an upper level? Because I don't want them to be bored and I want them to get the best experience or the experience that they expected from this. So that was definitely difficult being able to read and understand people's levels and abilities to be able to further help them out and get them to the next level. Do you have any stories that you can share, either funny stories or stories that really like pull at your heart where you saw a success and you thought, oh my gosh, I helped make that happen? I have a a good feeling one. Um, It was one of my first lessons. I don't know if it was my second or third day, but I had a, a group come in. They had never fished before at all. Their main goal was just to catch a fish. They, of course, wanted to learn how to fly fish, but a lot of people that come in, they're almost expecting to to just automatically catch one or they want the excitement of it all. So I had this family come in and they just really, really, really wanted to catch a fish. And I was like, okay, that's going to be our goal for today. You know, I'm going to get you proficient enough to, to cast out um, and keep in mind, like we're we're fishing in a stocked pond. That's what our ranch has for now. Uh, we don't have a full guide service to be able to go on the river. So we have plenty of fish and some of the fish are pretty big. So I had this lady that got super excited, had been missing the hook sets almost all day, finally got one on the line. We got it in. She took a picture and she ended up saying that that was the best experience that she's ever had. And that's really what what got me excited for the whole thing is being able to share my love of fly fishing with other people and for them to have a good experience with it. Yeah, there's something so powerful about that when you have the opportunity to be part of somebody's journey and you see them going from that space where they're uncertain and unsure to completely successful and excited. Just like when you, when you caught your first brookie and you were like, man, I did this right. And to be part of that, how incredible you went from being a teacher back to being a student. And this time you decided to go for your pilot's license. I did. I still have not gotten my license yet. That's one of the difficulties of, of flying actually is um, going into it. I, you know, had the expectations. Like I said, I was a little naive with a lot of the things that I do. I just go in for the excitement and not realize how much work it's going to take to get where, to where I really want to be. But what got you interested in flying? I took a unmanned aircraft class. So a drone class in high school. Um, we're at, we're a huge agricultural college. And so they had a bunch of different electives that you could do. And one of them was to do a drone class. My senior year of college, I needed a couple more credits and I was like, you know what, we'll just do it just to have fun. You know, why not fly a drone for some easy extra credits <laughs> instead of choosing something else that would be a little more difficult and, and loading on my schedule. So ended up loving it. Technically, I guess I am a pilot because I did get my unmanned aircraft 
pilot's license. Nice. Just not yeah. the 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 actual aircraft. Anyway, ended up really loving the class, kind of got an introduction to the aviation community and my professor was actually a flight instructor as well. So he was would talk about all of his experiences and and the different things that he was able to do with his license. And so I just got excited about it. Um, you know, I kind of got a taste for it with doing the drone things and decided, you know, I actually want to be in the air. I want to experience that and to be able to be in control of the plane and to say that I could do that, you know, because that's a whole experience in itself. The funny thing is, is I'm terrified of heights, but actually being able to fly the plane like is a different experience in the whole thing. So it's almost like conquering my fears of, of actually taking off and being up in the air. How is it when you do commercial flight as a passenger? Do you have fear with flying in that way? Funny enough, I don't have any issues with actually flying just because I feel safe on commercial aircraft. Now, skydiving, if I ever had to do that, I, I couldn't do that. It's more of like you're standing on a cliff and there's not anything in front of you. That's what scares me. If I don't have anything to like touch or hold, then that's, that's where it gets me. So how was it going through this whole process of learning how to fly? I'm following you on Facebook. I'm all of a sudden seeing these pictures of you in the co-pilot seat, and then you're in the pilot seat, and then you're doing your solo flight. And I'm like, what is she up to now? Walk us through that. You go through a whole lot of emotions. You know, it's it's terrifying at first, but it's exciting. And then Sometimes it's disappointing, you know, like currently right now I did not pass my check ride. Um, so I don't have my license. There's definitely aspects of it that are frustrating and upsetting, but just the thrill of being up there and when you actually get to do it and you get a handle on it, that's when everything just clicks and you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I want to know what was going through your head when it was time to do your first solo flight. So solo flight wasn't as bad for me. So the way that they do it, at least at the flight school that I went to, your instructor will go and they'll fly with you. We went to a smaller airport because we were at a more populated and very busy airport that we started out at. So we flew over to a smaller airport and we did a couple of touch and goes, which means that you just fly down land on the ground and then immediately take off. So you don't taxi back around to start at the beginning of the runway again, cause you have enough speed. Um, so we did a couple touch and goes and then she was like, okay, I want you to stop and we're gonna do a full stop and I want you to pull over to the side over there. So she gets out and she's like, all right, go do it. She's like, you know, you can land, you know what you're doing, just go do it. That's basically what it was. It was terrifying. But I mean, as soon as you take off in the plane and you're off the ground, it's like, well, I either have to do it or <laughs> I'm not going to do it and I'm going to crash. So it's kind of like a now or never situation. So yeah, it's it's terrifyingly exciting. I don't know how else to, to describe it. Did you know that she was going to ask you to pull over and she was going to jump out? I, I had an idea because we had been talking about doing my solo and I knew how they did it. But yeah, I didn't know that it was going to be specifically at that moment. No, I knew I knew what I was doing. 
and I was confident enough to be able to land the plane. And so that's, that's really all that it is. So how far did you have to go on that? So we just stay like in the airport environment. So we'll just stay in what's called the traffic pattern. So we just go up, kind of do a circle around the airport and then come back in. And so for your first solo, you have to do three touch and goes and then a full stop landing. And that's what you did that day after your instructor jumped out? Yep. So that's, that consists of your first solo flight. And Um, then what do you have to do after that to actually get all the way certified as a pilot? Yeah. So you have to do um, a series of other flights. Some are what they called local. Um, So you just go up, kind of fly around your area and you're just kind of practicing navigating in the sky because it's completely different than driving. And then you can come back and, and practice landing as well. So it's just showing that you're proficient enough to go out, kind of fly around and be able to come back and land safely. Once you do a couple of those, then you can start doing your cross countries, which is not technically across the whole country. You'll just go to two or three other local airports, land, take off, and then come back to your other airport. So you did those as well. I've completed all the steps to actually get my license, got all the way to the final exam or what's called your check ride. And I didn't pass the ground portion of that. So the knowledge portion. Is it like a written test that you have to take? It's it's an oral test. So you have your designated pilot examiner or your DPE And they ask you a bunch of questions of things that you should know before you actually go and do the flight test. Super, super nerve wracking. I let my nerves get to me and I got too many marks off of of the exam. Do you plan on taking it again? I do. I want to eventually go back and and take the exam again and actually get my license. Like I said, it's kind of a roller coaster of emotions, you know, that kind of kicked me in the butt a little bit to be able to to fail that exam when I really thought I was ready for it. So I kind of wanted to take a break for a little bit, breathe, make sure that it was something that I really wanted and then go back eventually. But I I definitely do want to. Yeah. I mean, you've been super successful, especially um, at the young age that you are with following your dreams and putting all of these different pieces together, doing these big things like fly fishing guide school and becoming a certified guide and going through flight school and going on your cross country solo flights and all of these things. What's been the biggest challenge besides not passing the test? Definitely fighting my inner battles of, can I do this? Is it the right thing to do? Is this what I want to do with my life for sure? Because there's always been the, oh, I want to be a fly fishing guide, but you know, you only make so much and the industry is really hard, especially for a woman. It's getting a whole lot better now for sure, but it's still super, super difficult. Flying, like I said, it's terrifying. I definitely went through the motions of, do I want to do this? But I loved flying and even though it terrified me, that kind of drove me to continue doing it. And even not passing, I, I'm not mad that I didn't pass. It just shows that I wasn't ready for it. So how do you stay dialed in? Do you have any things that you do to help combat those inner narratives? Yeah, for sure. I'll just have either... Um, a conversation in my head with myself or I'll actually speak out loud sometimes and be like, you know what? These are just your fears and life's too short to to be fearful of these things. You know, do what you want to do, go live your life, 
having the conversation or talking to myself and talking through it of, you know what, it's scary, it sucks, but you know, you can do it. Well, and you have a really amazing support system too. I've met your family who are really, really uh, wonderful people. Do you ever get homesick or miss them? Because you struck out on your own. I mean, part of that has been coming all the way from Kentucky to Montana to follow your dreams and do your thing. Yeah, I definitely do get homesick. I love Kentucky and I love everybody at home, but you know, Montana is is definitely home now. The thing about that is my family is willing to travel. We've always loved traveling, so it's never going to be difficult for me to go to them or them to come to me. So, you know, every once in a while they'll come out here and visit. Um, you know, we're really close. It has been difficult at times, but I know that it's not going to be too long before I can see them again. So through all of these new adventures and all of the things that you've done, what's been the most impressive thing that you feel like you've discovered about yourself? Oh, that one is a hard one, Sue. You said no (laughs) hardball questions. (laughs) But it's an important one, I think. It is. It's very important. I think being able to to branch out and and leave home. Like I said, we were a close-knit family. I'm used to being around them. Like we've always traveled together. I went to school close to home. Getting out and going out and doing my own thing has been difficult and I'm proud of myself for doing because I'm able to make it out here without having that support system close. And I've been able to kind of create a new support system. And does that help feed into that positive narrative that you have in your head when you're challenging yourself to do new things? Definitely, for sure. Because it's just been a very positive experience in general. So that definitely helps, you know, uh, more positives outweigh all of the negatives. I know that I can now travel on my own. Like I said, I'm from Kentucky. So if I wanted to drive across country, even though it can be super scary, I'm up for it. Let's do it. Which I think you did with a raft on the back of your truck. Did you not? I did. My mom came, flew out and drove back with me on that, that time though. But yeah, we've gone cross country a couple times. So what about regrets? Do you have any regrets or things that you wish that you would have done differently? You know, not really, because I try not to regret a whole lot of things. Even if something didn't go exactly the way that I wanted it to go, it got me to this point and, you know, I can't, I can't regret that. I love that perspective because I think that that is really true, how everything kind of feeds on itself, you know, and even those things that are really hard in the moment can be a foundation for something that's even more amazing in the future. I love hearing you say that you don't have any regrets. Yeah. Anything that you're really proud about, you have a whole bunch of things that you've just shared with us. What's the thing you're most proud of? I think it goes along with my biggest accomplishment of moving away from family. I'm proud of myself for for doing that and to to be able to do that and to make something of myself out here as well. To be able to do those adventures and not have to worry or or really rely on anybody else. I guess I could say physically, like mentally, you know, I want to keep my family close and everything, but to be able to be out here and, and to do things on my own, that's, that makes me really proud. We've just entered into a new year. We're now into 2024. Do you have anything that you're hoping to accomplish? 
biggest thing that I've said I've wanted to do for a while is I really want to travel a whole lot more. I love my job here right now, but I have um, a lot of adventures maybe lined up in the next year, and I'd really hope to to be able to do those. I want to go and use my passport. I've had it for 10 years now and haven't been out of the country. That's probably step one is to to travel somewhere new. What's on your bucket list? Currently, one of my friends lives in England, so I'm definitely going to be going to visit her. I'd love to get over to New Zealand to fly fish or maybe in Patagonia. My mom did a trip a couple years ago, looked super, super fun. I wasn't able to go, so I'd really like to do that. We have talked so much about all of these amazing accomplishments that you have done up until this point. Uh, Lots of adventurous things that you really have grabbed a hold of. What is your best piece of advice to our listeners who really want to be brave, who maybe want to be trailblazers like yourself, or who just want to follow their crazy dreams? You just got to do it. That's the biggest thing. Jump in head first and don't have any regrets. It's going to be scary. It's going to be new. That's all a part of the whole experience. So if it's something that you really want to do, like don't let anybody else hold you back. One last question for your own dreams and those things that you have pursued, were those long-term dreams for you, things that you knew that you wanted to do, or was there some sense of spontaneity? Like, are you the type of person that really contemplates and thinks about things or do you just get a feeling and jump on it? A little bit of both. Definitely. There's some times where I'll think on it for a really long time. So like the flying, I had thought about doing it for a year or so before I actually did it. But fly fishing, as soon as that opportunity came up to go to guide school, I was like, yep, that's what I want to do. I'm going to do it right now. Moving out here as well. Like I said, I had always thought about moving to Montana or even going to school here. Kind of put it on the back burner a little bit till I got to the point where I had thought about it so much that I had to do it. Whether you've thought about it for a long time or you've approached it with a bit of spontaneity, either way, as you said before, you have no regrets, Yeah, which I think definitely. is a, a great way to live. Well, thanks, Sydney, for chatting with us today and for inspiring all of us to put aside our fear and chase those things that really make us happy. And as always, thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of these extraordinary stories. And I will see you all next Friday for another episode of Two Gals and a Mic.